This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Well, 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 I've got a big surprise for you today. We're going to talk about a little something you never would have expected, never in a million years. I'm going to talk to you about the Obama inauguration, 15-year anniversary. Yesterday, Sunday, no, Saturday, Woo! thank goodness I got that right. Oh yeah, the Obama inauguration. Who are we as a people? Today I want to reflect on the 15-year anniversary of Obama's inauguration and the significance to the American people, truth be told, I won't miss a bit, trust me. We're going to get into the hopes and dreams and the changes that came out of this historic event, what it sparked as we explore the lasting impact on our nation's political landscape. It's an amazing story. The question is that was posed, are we a country of January 20th or January 6th? Maybe we'll come up with a conclusion on that today right now. Before I get into the meat and potatoes of this here, if you will, I don't like to talk like that, but you know what I'm saying. Before I get into the subject matter at hand, I wanted to tell you a couple of things, and some of it's a little funny. The first one is that I slipped and fell Friday morning, and you know it was icy here. You want to hear the whole stupid story? It's unbelievable to me the comedy of errors and the situations I find myself in due to my not paying attention. So problem number one, we have two garages. This is so funny to me. <laughs> People have a hard time understanding this. Every time I go to get insurance, which unfortunately I've had the, you mean a, a two-car garage? No, we have two separate garages. Oh, one on the house, one detached. No, <laughs> they're both attached. I, why is that so hard to understand that we have two separate garages? It's a phenomenal setup. I call it the marriage saver. I really do. If the, the, forget about the his and her closets. How much time do you spend in the closet? God could only help me. I could spend some time in the closet with my my wife. I better stop. I'm going to get in trouble. But in the garage, I want to be alone. <laughs> anyway, where was I going? I distracted myself with that little bit. Anyway, my garage, which is the bigger one, naturally. <laughs> See, it works. The, if you go his and her closets, you can only lose as a guy. She's got to have the bigger closet. But when it comes to the garage, you're like, hun, I got a, I got the snowblower. <laughs> you don't want the snowblower in your garage, do you? <laughs> Simple logic works every time. Anyway, my garage. <laughs> Back to the story. Well, the garage door opener hasn't been working. No, it's not the garage door opener. The garage door opener works fine. It's the remote. And don't email me about this. I've tried everything. I'm ready to go nuts with the doggone thing. I know. Reset it. Reprogram it. Fix the wire. Cobweb. They've done all of it. I don't know if somebody really knows. It's an old Craftsman opener. It's in great condition over. I just had the thing serviced. And then the, the I wanted to put a keypad on the door because I got this little um, you know thing on my keys. 
And it's just a pain because, tell you the truth, I don't really carry keys that much anymore, which is a whole story in itself. But I thought I just want to get out and hit the keypad. Anyway, long story short, I've got no way to open the doggone door right now, so i got to go out the upper steps. That's comedy of errors number one. Ten minutes to get to that point. I couldn't go out the garage door, so I had to go out on the upper steps. Well, the way the steps are facing north, they get no sun. We had ice and then a little snow. I didn't even have my pants on. You want to hear how funny this is? I go out to start my truck, and I have my base layer on. You know, so it looks like I'm wearing yoga pants in the video. Oh, yeah, it's all caught on the security camera. How nice is that? I go slide. Luckily, it's only like four risers. Feet slide out from under. I thought I did pretty graceful considering how big I am. I went down. My hip took the brunt of the initial shock. Little elbow knock, which seems to be the way I fall. Racks my shoulder. Grab the railing with my other hand. Phone goes flying. Slide down. Roll over onto my knees and immediately. And I get up. And you know what I said to myself? Don't be a wussy. Get moving. I really did. I get up and just keep moving. The mistake people make, they stop and they hold it. And I don't know. I just feel like you release negative brain chemicals or whatever it is that goes on. Suck it up. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So here it is. It's Sunday morning. Well, I'm all banged up from this. My back, my shoulder. Not good because, as you know, I was working out, doing well. But this is a minor setback, really. I'm telling you this for comedians. The video is pretty funny. My son thought it was funny. My big self. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. There's no, believe me, there's no awkward screams in the video, but it would have been funny if I did. Anyway, I'm nursing back from that is what I wanted to tell you. I'm going to hopefully uh, get the car cleaned off and go make a house call to my chiropractor. It's very kind of him. I'm going to his house. He's going to see me. I really appreciate it. When I had house calls in mind, I wanted to go the other way. Load that table up and come down and see me. Is that how this is supposed to work? (laughs) Everything's changed. My doc's like, yeah, that ain't happening. If you want to come by, I'll see you, but I ain't coming down. (laughs) Take it or leave it. All right, all right. Anyway, um, let me give you a quick update on the radio show real quick. I want to tell you one more funny thing that relates to this uh, Obama inauguration, which I know you're on the edge of your seat waiting to hear about. Uh, the radio show, the feedback's been phenomenal. We had the first show. Hopefully you've had a chance to listen to that. If you haven't, I'm upset. Please go to projectchaos.org. The links to the radio show are right there. You can listen to it on any internet browser. There's nothing to download, load. I'd appreciate you signing up for my email list when you're there, but you don't have to do that either. You can listen to the radio show without doing that, if that's your choice. Uh, But uh, if you'd like to stay in touch, if you're a veteran especially, I'd like to get you on that email list. Projectchaos.org. I have to tell you, so it's just the first radio show, live radio show that's posted there. We're airing on 860 AM WWDB in Philadelphia. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been entirely positive. I tell the story a little bit, the Battle of Kafchi, and I talk about what Project Chaos is, how the, these stories have been lied about. 
the story of Kafchi particularly, but as I looked in, in, at other marine battles, I find that they're all being lied about. My brother reminded me of a story. He said, I remember, Chris, when you got home, you said, don't believe what you see in the news. Ironically enough, I didn't remember this till after the debut radio show. I've been listening to this radio station since I was a kid. When I came home from the Marine Corps, I was listening to it. I called in to express my displeasure with the way they were talking about the war over there. It was all based on false premises. Anyway, the radio show is going phenomenal. We have an incredible momentum. And it's going to be in a little bit of a holding pattern here for a couple of weeks. As uh, I'll just give you a quick update. So we had the opening debut. This is all centered around the release of my new book, Victory Over Chaos, The Marine Battle at Kafji. The information about that book is also at projectchaos.org. If you sign up for the email list, one of the things you'll get is notification as soon as that book's available. And I may or may not give away, give away a few signed copies if you're interested in that to the uh, loyal fans who sign up early kind of thing, if that interests you or entices you. Anyway, the book, Victory Over Chaos, I can't wait. So the, uh, the game plan here is over the next six, eight weeks, the book is with the publisher. I'm having the cover redesigned again. I looked at the cover. I said, that's not New York Times bestseller cover material. I had worked with a graphic artist and a focus group, so we kind of did it ourselves. And it was incredible, but not incredible enough. I was like, you know what? I need to get the professionals involved. Projectchaos.org. I put together the website. I thought it looked great. Nobody said anything. There was a little glitch in the beginning. After I went back and I looked, I thought the same thing. This does not look like a professional website. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe because I'm not a professional website developer. Well, I hired somebody. That should be coming the end of the month. So, point being, while the book is being published, the cover is being redesigned, interior formatting is being done. We'll be working with the publisher to wrap up those details, as well as develop the initial advertising campaign. I expect all that to take a website done at the end of the month, hoping to have book proofs for formatting back and covers uh, two to three weeks, and hopefully have printed copies in my hand by the end of February at the latest, I'm hoping, if everything goes well, with the book available for pre-sale early March, I'm hoping at the latest. I'm excited about it. The feedback has been amazing. You have to get into it. My, my older brother, who encouraged me to listen to talk radio as a kid, I sent the show to him. And uh, we're very much different politically, by the way. He doesn't listen to this podcast. But he listened to that radio show, and he loved it. And it's one of the things that I wanted to do. We don't need to be divided fighting with our, each other, for God's sake. It's not good leadership that we keep driving a wedge between our own citizens, telling us how much we disagree on everything. It's a lie to begin with. A young guy goes and finds a mate. This is the natural course of events. Not for everybody. It doesn't happen the same way all the time. And I'm certainly no traditional path to family dumb, whatever. But a young guy, he's all full of testosterone and sex hormones. And he finds a suitable mate, and they have children. And all that guy, any decent guy, all he wants to do is provide a decent life for his family, have them grow up happy, and have an opportunity that they can go do it themselves. And for some reason, people don't like that idea. They want to tear it down. Well, I say to you that people, whether they want to call themselves Democrats or they want to call themselves Republicans, 
that we need to start looking at as each other as Americans first, and the basis of our conversations needs to be in the Constitution and maintaining our freedom under those rights. Those are the conversations that we need to have. All that to say, I went on a little tangent there, but let me bring it back. I'm so encouraged by the message of this radio show. I hope you'll check it out. The book, the radio show. We're launching a new endeavor here. Six years, over 1,600 podcasts. This isn't going away either, by the way. I have no immediate plans. I'm always reevaluating this podcast, what we want to do with it. You know, whether it's going to be daily, weekly, never. Not really. It's never really come across my mind to end it. So I'm, I'm telling you, I plan to be here for, for a while longer. Six years I've been here. For the bulk of that, you know, every day. We've taken little breaks in there. We did the three-day thing and whatnot. We're going to keep it up. But now this new endeavor, and I think that um, it's ripe for the market right now. And the feedback is proving that. And truth be told, the results are early. And these are people that are friendly to me, by and large. So, you know, we're going to get that favorable feedback. Anyway, I'm excited about it. A lot of other people are, too. A lot of Marines a lot going on with it. Please check it out. I know you won't be disappointed. Projectchaos.org. You'll see the email sign up, information about the book. And if you just scroll down, you'll see the links right there. You can listen to the radio show. Nothing to download or anything like that. You can do it on your phone. You can download it if you want. You can download the MP3. All right. I want to tell you something a little funny, which will tee up this Barack Hussein Obama inauguration. It's true story. Maybe if you did listen to the radio show last week, you heard me tell a little bit. So back in the day, I was doing stand-up comedy. I'd always done a lot of speaking. I had a, a church group I was involved in, uh, in missions and church planting. I loved that stuff. And I started a youth football league that was Christian-centered, upward sports, phenomenal organization. Matter of fact, now that I think about it, upward sports... Maybe we'll see if they'll support the radio show. Um, but I started a youth football league there. And we used the the coaching uh, and halftime as an opportunity to, to provide uh, solid, fundamental, foundational information to those young uh, girls and boys. The girls and boys could play together with flag football. It was co-ed. Not a problem. We did have separate girls teams. Um, but they could play together on those teams, and it worked out just fine. Matter of fact, the girls played better than the boys at those ages. They were faster in many cases. And uh, it was just a, a solid thing to do. So I had some experience with, with speaking, is my point. Then I did a year of stand-up comedy. I don't know. I, I just call it 10 shows. I was down at Helium Comedy Club down in, in Philadelphia a few times. Uh, and to tell you the story how I got in down there, uh, my wife, my now wife, we weren't uh, married at the time, but we um, we both liked comedy and humor, and I talked about the idea of getting into it, and she found the Philadelphia Comedy School. <laughs> As if I needed that, right? <laughs> anyway, I did. I went, and it was cool. And then uh, the deal was when graduation was a live performance there at Helium Comedy, and we got like two minutes or something you know, some maybe it was five. I don't know. Some short duration at the end. We all did our like our graduation show. Well, then for a few of us, we got to go back, and uh, that was me. I had like a little group there that we hung out with, and I was I was kind of nailing it. Big Chris Crunks, 
doing stand-up comedy. We had the most incredible promo video, man, with this bass thumping. I was, like, thinking about getting a pimp outfit. I know, this is, like, a whole different Chris. You're like, what? We're, I, thankfully, it didn't come to, none of that came to fruition. I'd be looked at like Zelensky is now, you know? It's like, was he up there dancing with a little tutu on <laughs> No, it didn't go that far. But it was some pretty edgy stuff, to be sure. Anyway, after a year, I just uh, I really lost interest in it. Not because it wasn't a pump, because it really was. It was just a, very exciting to get up there and, and do that in front of people and make people laugh. But I didn't find any meaning in it. You're just regurgitating the same stupid jokes. And after a while, it just wasn't very exciting for me. But anyway, I moved on then. Right when my daughter was born, I joined a group called Toastmasters International. And as I said, I had plenty of experience at the front of a room. But I really wanted to learn. I, wanted to, I knew I needed to get better. Right? Same thing as the book cover. I'm like, I know I can speak well. I know I can stand on my own two feet. But that's not, you know, that's not our old Nightingale level performance. And so I, I joined Toastmasters. And of course I did well in it. And I wasn't surprised by that. Well, then they had these contests that I entered and I got involved in that. Well, one of them was impromptu speaking. And the way this works, you get up in front of a room full of people, you don't know what they're going to ask you. Well, there was a way that I trained for all this. And they say to me, the question is, name a historic event that you would have liked to have participated in. <laughs> My wife still makes fun of me for this. And I said, now remember, this is impromptu. So I don't know what they're going to ask me. And you got to think quick on your feet. Best thing I ever did in a million years, this, between the stand-up, getting heckled by a mentally handicapped woman. I'll tell you what, you want to think quick on your feet? Like I couldn't beat her up. Normally somebody heckles you, it's just like blood in the water. You're like, Bam, you're going down, baby. You don't attack the guy with the microphone. Suddenly this mentally handicapped female, and I'm like, God, what do I do? <laughs> A big bad Marine. What do I do? <laughs> I don't know how to handle this. Oh, I handled it. I handled it. But you got to handle it with style. And this is the finesse that I wanted to learn. So I'm doing stand-up. They asked me this, uh, I'm at this, this competition for Toastmasters, and they say to me, you know, name a historic event. And I say, the inauguration of the family of the Obamas. <laughs> that was my response. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. It, you know, this is all part of it. My wife was in the audience. I sit down. She goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And I won the contest, by the way. It was a liberal crowd. <laughs> It was all BS. Ain't no way in hell I would have wanted to be at Obama's inauguration. I would have rather gotten a colonoscopy awake. <laughs> it would have been more enjoyable to, to get a colonoscopy with no anesthesia than go to Obama's inauguration. But believe me, on that day, I sold it. I sold it well. So well. My wife was like, people are clapping, and my wife is just like, boy, that is some real stuff right there. The inauguration of the family of the Obamas. All that to say, I got a little knowledge of this. How do you like that? Let me read to you this little account that brought this to my attention, if you will. Uh, Obama told a story about America at his first inauguration 15 years ago. These people were there, and they still believe. Just listen to this a minute. Elizabeth Alexander was in her hotel room in Washington, D.C., one frigid winter morning, when she awakened by a strange noise outside her window. 
She peered outside and saw a sea of people bundled against the cold, walking in the pre-dawn darkness towards the National Mall. I can't help myself. I was going to read this whole thing to you and then comment on it, but I can't help myself. Compare this to the way that they uh, talk about the Trump inauguration. Oh, nobody was there. It was like it was the crowd was it was nothing. Nobody was interested in seeing this guy. But Obama was much different. A sea of people when she peered outside, bundled against the cold. It was January twentieth, two thousand nine, and the crowds were on their way to witness the inauguration of Barack Hussein Obama, the nation's first. Half-black president. I said half-black. They just said black. Capitalized in black, B, black. But he was half-black. He really wasn't full black. You know what I mean? He's a halfy. It's like a light skin. What do they call that? He was almost practically a whitey. Mommy was white. Daddy was a Muslim from Congo or whatever. The brother still hates him. But he really wasn't the first black. But he was a halfy. Let's say it like that. It was January 20th, 2009, and the crowds were on their way to witness the inauguration of Barack Hussein Obama, Obama the nation's first halfy president. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back into comedy. I should write for Saturday Night Live. The sound she heard was their footsteps marching almost in unison as their numbers grew. <laughs> which sounded to Alexander like the growing rumble of thunder or a crashing wave. Oh, the emotion. I mean, how could you not with the nation's first halfy president about to take the podium? Alexander had a coveted hotel room near the mall that day because she was a special guest of the Obamas. Get the hell out, talking like this. He had asked Alexander, an author and poet, who was then a professor at Yale University. I'm talking like Rachel Mancow. You know, you got to enunciate to compose and recite a poem for his inaugural. I think we've heard enough. I mean, that play by play on the Obama inauguration. It was phenomenal. So phenomenal that my opening debut impromptu speech was about it. Here's the sad thing. Since 2009, uh, we've all come to realize that it was all a big fugazi, a big lie, that we had the, the wool pulled over our eyes, that this guy not only didn't deliver on what he promised, but it was just the opposite. He's done more to divide and destroy this country potentially than any president ever. The first black president has been a complete failure with this guy. Maybe next time we should get a real black person to be president instead of this half-wit nitwit. Why don't we get somebody who's real and authentic? Maybe like a, a Marine veteran, a guy who's served, who can speak authentically. Maybe if we had that, maybe the first black president would actually be a success for a change. I think people are realizing that this idea that, you know, we're multicultural, because we are. We all come from different backgrounds. You know, I've got in my background uh, Italian, German, Austrian, some Polish, probably some other stuff. I've never done the uh, Yippie 2 and me, whatever the hell these things are, because I really don't want my DNA in a database. I can't believe people do this. 
And I don't need to know. I joke around that I'm part Kenyan. My skin's very dark. It certainly could be passed for Mediterranean, certainly in the summer. If you saw my face right now, even in this frigid, cold January day, um, as I'm all bundled up, I still have my face in the sun, and my face is still tan. I could, I could pass for Egyptian. I don't know about that. Guatemalan, for sure. I'll prove that by the fact that I'm sitting outside on a bucket in my front yard, and landscapers honk at me. True story. <laughs> Racists? Like a white guy can't cut his own grass around here. Anyway, we all have our different backgrounds. It doesn't mean we all want to mingle together and be stirred together and we live in other people's cultures. We want to live our own damn culture. Some people want to live multiculturally. Go ahead. I got a Jewish friend of mine, good friend, <clears throat> married to a Vietnamese woman. And they live in a place where it's very multicultural. They love it. They love going down to... Uh, uh, New Orleans and watching the gay people. They love that stuff. I don't know why. It's weird to me. I don't enjoy it. They do. I'm not stopping them. You know, it's like the book banning. you got the liberals. Ah, the Republicans are banning books. Nobody's banning any books. Nobody's banning anything. You want to write a book? You can write a book. Matter of fact, it's going to be part of uh, ProjectChaos.org. In case you're interested, I'll tell you. I have developed a system to writing a book quickly. I wrote the manuscript for uh, Victory Over Chaos in two weeks. There's more to it than that, especially if you want to write a good book. But I was able to, to get it together where you could get the substance down quickly. If you can get that out and get that momentum going, you can publish a book too. I'd like to help people do that. Very important. It's amazing what the, this world gives us today. I think they said something like a 1,000 books a day being published. It's phenomenal. If you want to write a book about homosexuality or transgender or some goofy, satanic fantasy, you're allowed to write that in this country. You could write that you hate me. You could write that you hate uh, white people. You can write whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Sexual fantasy, sci-fi, even violent fantasy. You're allowed to write that. Vulgar, nasty, violent fantasy, sexual deviancy. I'm not going to read it but you could write it if you want, and you could publish it, all right? And I'll even tell you how if you're interested. That's how important it is that we preserve that right. I totally agree. But don't you dare try and read that crap to my daughter. You get what I'm saying? And this is the message that we need to send. Not because it's trying to be a tough guy or divide or like Obama always preaching to us how he was better than everybody. It's not who we are. Oh, I'm not telling you that's not who we are. I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you, what kind of deviant stuff you're into. And I don't really care. It's your business. I stay out of that. I don't tell you who to be or not to be. You want to feel like a woman and you want to put woman's clothes on, you can feel free to do that. That makes you happy. I'm happy for you. I really am. I don't want to be around it. And I'm going to demand that it not be around my daughter. Simple as that. And it's not just limited to this kind of thing, believe it or not. You know, Cocaine Barry and his boyfriend there, they don't understand that what decency means. You know, you want to do your little cocaine, you want to smoke crack. I don't even care about that. Hunter and Barry, I wonder if those three get together, do a little menage a trois. It wouldn't surprise me. They're ex past experiences, but they could do what they want. It's their freedom to do that. I don't care. But don't you dare bring it around my daughter. Don't you dare tell her the stories. 
Don't you dare even bring it up. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you with you engaging in those kind of things and just stay away from my daughter altogether. How's that? But it's not anybody stopping him. There's no book banning going on. I don't hear Trump saying, it's not who we are. You be who you want to be. It was Obama that started deciding who could be what and who couldn't. That somehow he had the gold standard of what people should be. And people soaked it up, the sheep in this country. It was the same people that were yay for masks and I stand with Ukraine and hate has no home here. And every one of it's been a failure and a lie. Think about those big three. All the Obama nonsense, all his rhetoric, and all his peace, love love who you want to love. Yeah, and everybody hates each other. Hate has no home here unless you're a straight white male. Everything that they've done, the COVID, the, the gay marriage, look at the catastrophe that that's turned into. Amazing. When I was in the Marine Corps, that was when, don't, when Clinton brought in don't ask, don't tell. Well, that, was the, that was the formula that he used with his wife. Hey, honey, if you don't ask if I'm cheating, then I can't be. So he thought he would bring it to the military. This was the era. that You could be gay and serve in the Marine Corps. Lo and behold, we have a, a gay guy who's now married to another guy. Bit of an interesting story. But I just spoke to him when I was down in South Carolina. What he does, if he's happy, I'm happy for him. Has no, I'm not banning any of that. But how do we go from that to reading nasty, filthy, vile, anything? You don't have to label it like that. You don't have to agree with me on that. I'm just telling you, I send my daughter for reading, writing, and arithmetic. Not cultural appropriation by unicorns. I don't care what Obama had to say. Everything he said was a failure. A failure and a lie. And he could say, well, it's because Republicans didn't support it. Nobody's supporting it at this point. It's all garbage. Everything he said. I have more to talk about here, but we're going to have to get to it another time. we got to keep the shows here capped. Why? Because I've got other projects I'm working on. I'll be back with more tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.